0: Well, other than Jesus, the three people that stand out as the greatest leaders in the Scripture would have to be Moses, David, and Paul. Now, that's not to say that these men didn't have their faults. They certainly did, and there were certainly other great leaders in the Scripture. But these are the three most notable leaders in the Scripture. And these three great leaders had this in common... They all cared deeply about those that they led. And it was evident in the things that they said, the things that they did, and even in their prayer life, that they cared deeply about those they led. I think there are too many today that want to lead that don't really care about the people. And, you know... I've heard the old joke, kind of a joke. You know, the ministry would be great except for the people. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah. But uh, listen, it's not just the ministry that's all about people. The truth is, is with the Lord, that's the only thing he cares about is people. And when we understand now, we, we're kind of getting on the right track towards having the right heart and the right attitude In this world. But listen, God doesn't care about the stuff. He cares about the people. And so I I just want to lay that out there because we need to understand this. This is really what's important. If we want to lead anybody, we want to make a difference in somebody's life, it should be because we care about them, not just because we're trying to accomplish some personal agenda or you know, something you know about us, but it's about helping them. It's about uh, ministering to people and because we care about the spiritual condition of people. So our families, our neighbors, our coworkers, people that we just cross paths with, we need to care about those people. If we care enough, it'll cause us to want to lead. It'll cause us to want to influence, cause us to want to help them on their path. Not for what it does for us, but just because we want to help them. All truly great leaders lead with a servant's heart because they they lead for the benefit of the people. They don't lead for selfish gain. Now see, we see a whole lot of this in our world, but it's also even many times true in the church world that there are those that lead and it's about them. I mean, it's even their persona. It's it's really all about them. You know what I'm saying? I want want you to understand this, that great leaders, those great leaders in the Bible, it was always about the people. Even our Savior said he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And so we just need to understand that, that all great leaders have a servant's heart because they truly care about the people. The apostle Paul is a great example of somebody who truly cared about the people he was called to lead. And so I'm going to talk about him quite a bit tonight, use him as an example. But he, he cared enough to go. He was called to be an apostle. And for the early church, you know, that word apostle, it, it, it was those men who were called to lead the church. But the word apostle actually means sent one and he was sent. He was sent and he went. In fact, he went more than anybody else. He went and he went and he went. You know, Peter, James, and John, these were great men of God and God certainly used them mightily in many ways, but you don't hear much of their story about how they went and established churches and their missions trips. But, oh, it is the Apostle Paul that had such a burden and he cared so much that he was just driven by it to go and to go and to go. And I think sometimes, you know, when, I, when I've when thought of the Apostle Paul and thought of his perseverance and his uh, determination I, I thought well you know that's just his personality but I think that it was rooted in something deeper than just being a you know that type of personality I think that it was rooted in his burden that he cared so much that he had to fulfill this call because he wanted to reach people here's what the Lord said about Paul in Acts nine fifteen, He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And that is exactly what he did. Even when he was persecuted, even when those that he was sent to rejected him, even when it might have seemed fruitless at times, he still went. Now, I've mentioned this, I said it already tonight, but when we're talking about leadership, every born again believer can lead somebody because we have something that lost people don't have. And we all have something that we can share with them, that we can be an influence. And Jesus called us to be his witnesses. Acts 1.8 in the NIV, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And he wasn't just talking to the apostles. It was written for all of us. He expects us to share what we have, to tell others what the Lord has done in our life. I'll tell you, we need to care enough to go. And I'm not going to, you know, make this a thing about that. It's all about Uh, sharing your faith and witnessing tonight. I just want you to understand, though, if we want to lead people, we have to care enough to reach out to them. I mean, even if it's those in our own household, we have to care enough to really make that effort and try to help them and minister to them. Most of us, we don't have to travel to another country, but you might have to go next door. You might need to talk to a coworker. But we, you know, we need to let the Lord lead us. I want to say this, just get this out of the way. Sometimes there are people in our lives that it might be more effective for somebody else to reach. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's that way with family. And sometimes it's not always the right time to talk to somebody. We need to be sensitive to the Lord and be led of the Lord, but we need to not err on the other side of that where we never do it. We need to be led of the Lord. We need to be ready. We need to care enough that we're willing to go. Got to care enough to talk to the one that's not walking with the Lord. You know, down through history, there's those that that have had great impact for the Lord. And they were always driven by a burden for those that they wanted to reach, those that they wanted to help. And I just want you to hear this. We go because we care. If it's not a big deal to us, well, we're not gonna have much impact even if we do go. But when we care enough that we just can't help but talk to them, we just can't help but we got to try, we have to reach out to them, then I want you to know that is a kind of passion that God can use. And you know what? If you're passionate about wanting to reach somebody or wanting to help somebody, that says something to them. If you're dispassionate, you know, like you don't really care, guess what? That says something to them too. So we, we just have to care. It's got to be a big deal. We need that burden. You know, Paul wanted to reach the Israelites so bad, he, he says he had great sorrow. Do you have great sorrow over somebody? Yes. Oh, we should. We, need, we should have great sorrow over some lost people that we know, People are people that have turned away. They're not serving God right now. We should have great sorrow over those people. Listen to this. From Romans 9, 1 through 3. He says, I tell you the truth, I'm not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, for my countrymen, according to the flesh. Now, some people get real hung up on that. He didn't actually say he wished he was a a curse. He said, I could wish I was a curse, but his burden is so strong that he's saying, I wish I could just take their place if it meant that they could be saved. That's how strong his burden was for them. That's how much he wanted them to know the Lord. He said, I have great sorrow and continual grief. Now, if you read much of the letters of Paul, you know that he also said lots of things like, rejoice in the Lord always and again I I say rejoice he was not a downer he was not sad and depressed over these people no he was somebody that had the joy of the Lord and yet at the same time there was this burden that he lived with for these people that he, he he could not be satisfied he wanted them to be saved so bad he wanted them to know the Lord like he did and I want to tell you we need that kind of burden for people I want to say just real clearly, I'm not just talking about reaching those who have never been born again or never prayed a prayer or don't know about Jesus. Because in our culture, and especially here in the Bible Belt, there are so many people that at one time knew the Lord. At one time they prayed. And yet now they're not walking with God. They no longer serve the Lord. They don't give the things of God a second thought. And those people, they're like like the prodigal. They're lost. They need to be brought back home to the father's house. And I just want to tell you that, you see, you you may not know very many atheists, but every one of you knows some people that are out of church and they're not really serving God and they're they're just kind of living just like the world. And they need to get back in a close relationship with God. That somebody, Somebody's got to care enough to go to them. And that takes us to the next point. Paul cared enough to speak the truth in love. Now, this is a really common thing for people to say. Oh, you got to speak the truth in love. But most of the time, as I've seen it happen, it ends up being what they think is truth without the love. And they just say, oh, I'm speaking the truth in love. It has everything to do with the heart. It has everything to do with the fact that you're saying it because you care. Not because you're mad. Not because you're self-righteous or you're being all super spiritual. But just for this reason, you care. You care. And that's why you speak the truth. You speak the truth in love. See, on the flip side, you got leaders who don't speak the truth, they just say what people want to hear. And those people are not really leaders, they're followers in a leadership position. Let's get us a boy who will tell us what we want to hear. You're in the wrong house. I just can't do it. I am somebody's boy. I'm just saying. I am his boy. And the best of my ability, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth in love. That's what we need. But you know what? That's what everybody needs. We We don't need somebody to just tell us what we already know or tell us what we like to hear. No, sometimes for us to learn and grow, we got to hear some things that maybe we didn't want to hear. But here's the thing, if it's said in the right heart and the right spirit, it sure is a whole lot easier to receive it. In fact, when you do it in the wrong attitude, almost nobody will hear it. These people that want to Go stand somewhere and scream at people and tell them they're going to hell. I want you to know nobody ever got saved because somebody was screaming at them, telling them they're going to hell. I mean, besides being ungodly and unspiritual, that's some kind of dumb. (laughs) It's great when you can just give positive upbeat counsel and instruction to somebody but sometimes we got to be willing to speak the truth in love and tell somebody when they're doing wrong when they're going the wrong way I don't want anybody to get the idea that we're supposed to go around correcting everybody (laughs) I've seen that I want you to know that doesn't bear good fruit and so I I just you know we need to remember this that to some degree leadership is has to do with some influence and you know if you have a relationship or influence with people then you may be able to correct them and it make a difference but we need to be careful about that but we do need to use that influence. See if you do have influence, if you have a relationship with somebody, then you need to use that to help them and to speak truth into their life. Now there's a lot of times recorded in scripture that the apostle Paul brought, brought correction to someone for their sake. You see, it's always because he cared. The most famous of those is, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where a man is sleeping with his father's wife. Anybody just amazed by the immorality of the crazy things going on in our world? I want you to know this kind of stuff's been going on a really long time. Here's a guy sleeping with his father's wife. How messed up is that? How sick is that? Here's what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up proud and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed as absent in the body but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when you are gathered together along with my spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Wow. I mean, what would people think today if the pastor said, we're going to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? Now, a few Bible people that know the scripture might go, that's right. But pretty much everybody else is going to be, whoa, wait a minute. Judge not, lest ye be not judged and all that kind of stuff, you know. We all get really eerie and quiet. I realize nobody ever talks about these passages. That's part of what's wrong with the church today. We need to read the whole Bible. These kinds of passages, if there was ever a time this kind of stuff needs to be preached and talked about, it's today. So here's the thing. He's dealing with this grotesque issue where we could just look the other way and act like we don't know what's going on. He's dealing with this. He's speaking the truth, but he's doing it in love. He's speaking truth in love. He's not out to get the guy, because if you really listen, if you look at what he said, I want to read it again. He said, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. You see, he's saying this, First of all, because this has to be dealt with in the church. If this is not dealt with, this is going to infect the whole church. But he's also saying it for this man because this is the only thing that may save him. Otherwise, he's going to continue on in his sin and, and and he's going to end up going to hell. So Paul says... Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, we're going to get there, but just so you know the end of the story, he repents. Amazing what happens when you speak the truth in love. It doesn't always happen, but I tell you a lot of the time that's exactly what the situation calls for, but somebody has to care enough to tell them the truth. But you tell them the truth because you care, because you love them, because you're trying to help them, because you want to reach them. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul is trying to keep them from being enslaved by false doctrine and going back living by righteousness, by rules. And he says this to them in Galatians 4.16. He says, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You ever felt like that? You tell somebody the truth, you're going to be their enemy? I have. Oh, my goodness. I had a guy, a friend, brother in the Lord. We we worked together. He helped me with my youth ministry for many years. And one day I had a couple of teenage boys come to me. They said, um, the other night when he was taking us home, he stopped at his girlfriend's house. He was a married man. I was like, what? So I sit down with the guy and I'm like, man, i got to talk to you about this because these guys are upset and you, you can't do that. And he's like, I can't believe you're talking to me like this. I can't believe you're talking to me like this. He left and never came back. It's amazing how people get so far gone that they don't even know right from wrong. But here's what we got to do. we got to try to talk to them in love we got to try to restore them. You can't just watch them go the wrong way. And you can't... That's another example of church discipline. But you can't let that kind of stuff just go on in the body of Christ. But you become the enemy because you tell them the truth. Well, sometimes. But Paul just refused to watch them go the wrong direction. He tells the Galatians later in verse 19, he tells them what he wants. He says, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. See, he loves them so much, he considers them like his own kids. My little children, you know, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. And you can just tell his tone is not one of anger, but it's love. He cares about them. Now, I mentioned Moses and David earlier, but... Uh, both of them brought correction at times. It just goes with the job of being a leader, whether it's with your own children or when you're talking to a lost person or a brother in the Lord. There's times when you have to care enough to instruct or even correct. you got to care enough to tell somebody they're going the wrong way. I'm not talking about judging people all the time and Correcting people about every little thing. That's usually about yourself. But we just need to be careful that we don't go to the other extreme where we're not helping people that we could be helping. and Because we love them, we want to help them. You know, Jesus did this too. In Mark chapter 10, there's a man that comes to him, comes running up to him, kneels down before him, he says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said, teacher, all these things I have kept for my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Now, we don't know exactly how the, the gospel writers knew this, but there was something that was communicated somehow with a look on his face. However, but it says Jesus looking at him loved him. And he says to him, one thing you lack, go sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. I want you to know that was not what this man wanted to hear. In fact, the Bible tells us that he went away sad because he had great wealth. But Jesus told him the truth in love. He looked at him and he loved him and he told him the truth. And you see, this is exactly what we have to do with people. We love them, really love them. Don't just say, I spoke the truth in love. No, really care, really love them. And when you have that heart, then many times they will listen. But listen, not even Jesus got them all the time. He didn't get this one. He went away sad. Doesn't always work, but the motive should always be love. You know somebody out of church? Maybe you could be the one to love them back in. That's, you know, the key is they have to know that you care. We say it often. They don't care what we know unless they know we care. Paul cared enough to restore. Let's go back to our infamous example of sin and Paul's famous correction Here's the rest of the story. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 through 11. And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you, in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears. You see, when he brought correction... It wasn't something where he just went off on them. This was something that he, he had anguish and many tears, he said. That's the right heart. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. He just tells them straight up. I didn't do this so you would be grieved. I did this because of the abundant love I have for you. Verse 5, But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not not to be too severe. This punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man, so that on the contrary you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him, For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you were obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You see, Paul knows now it's time to restore. And Paul had this heart and this mentality that when somebody was doing wrong, this was the goal. This is what he wanted to see. He wanted to see them restored. He didn't want to curse them and see them going down the road. He wanted to see that person restored. He didn't want Satan to get even one victory. See, when we're seeing somebody do wrong, our goal ought to always be to restore them Galatians 6 1 Paul writes brethren if a man is overtaken in a trespass you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness is there somebody that you could gently restore see we don't restore people with harshness we restore people with gentleness meekness you do it humbly humbly I want to remind you, this guy that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 5, he was doing something horrible, horrendous, and yet the goal was to restore him. And we see a lot of terrible things in our world, and there's a lot of mad, angry Christians. We need to remember, we need to love those people, And our heart ought to be to restore those people. Paul cared enough to pray. This is one of the most outstanding characteristics of Paul as a leader. It's so evident in all of his letters. Over and over and over he tells them. He tells them, I'm praying for you. And many times, or a number of times, his prayers are even recorded in Scripture as examples for us. But, you know, every great leader knows that dealing with people can be a great challenge. People have their own free will. You find that out when they get to be about two, right? Right? Two or three somewhere along in there they got their own will and it starts to you know really show up somewhere in those teen years and by the time they're a young adult well you just pray because you can't make them do nothing they got their own will it's amazing to me how often people try to make somebody else be it their spouse or whoever else they're going to make somebody do something but you know what People have their own free will. But here's the thing. When we're praying for people, it is absolutely true that God won't take away their free will. But he sure can set them up. He sure can move things around. He sure does know how to deal with somebody's heart. He can do things that complaining and gripping and nagging and being upset will never accomplish. That's why we pray. See, we're not doing this alone. We are co-laborers together with God. We do the part we can do and he does the rest. That's the way that's supposed to work. There's some people that you you just aren't going to correct and instruct. But you can pray for everybody. You can always pray for them. But one of the things that's really interesting to me about Paul his letters, he actually tells them, I'm praying for you. And I know some people think, oh, no, you're not supposed to tell anybody you're praying. Oh, yes, you are. It all has to do with the attitude of the heart. You know, if you're like, I'm praying for you, <laughs> keep it to yourself. But if, if they know that when you say, I'm praying for you, that it's because you care about them. I want to tell you, most people like that, even if they don't believe, they like it that you're praying for them because you, you care about them. And I just, you know, I encourage you in this church and this body of believers, it's a good thing to encourage. I like it when people tell me they're praying for me. I know how much I need it. Listen, If you're not praying for me, you, you have no right to complain about the preaching. <laughs> you're not doing your part. But if we care about people, we pray for people. You know what? Paul did it. David did it. He interceded for the people. Moses interceded for the people. Jesus is ever at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Amen. So if we care about people, we're going to pray for people. Now, I'm talking about this part last, but it's actually the most important. Because we should pray before we go. We should certainly pray before we speak the truth in love. And we should pray before we try to restore someone. But if we love somebody, if we really care about them, we're going to pray for them. Pray for those that are going through a difficult time. Pray for people that are missing church. Pray for people that are getting involved in some things they shouldn't be. Pray for people that are hooking up with the wrong kinds of friends. Pray for them. I tell you, prayer is powerful. We need a lot more prayer and a lot less criticism. Prayer is what changes things, you know. Some things we can't change on our own. It doesn't matter how much you push and shove, you're not going to change it, but God can. Prayer makes the difference. That's where battles are won or lost. Even when someone is disobedient and rebelling against the Lord, oh, you just need to pray for him, intercede for him. Let me give you an example from Numbers 14. This is Moses, it's verses 11 through 20. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they and Moses I want I want you to know something these people have not been good to Moses and now he has the opportunity to finally get rid of all of these troublemakers who have given him such a horrible time and God says I'm going to start over with you and I'm going to make of you a people mightier than they well here's Moses response He prayed for him instead. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray. According to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. I want you to know there's great power in prayer. And Some of those people that have wronged you, you, I want you to know these people had wronged Moses. You need to pray for those people and God will pardon them, and God will move and work in their life. He'll give them another chance. How about that old guy, Jonah? You know, the guy that got swallowed up by a big fish? You know, you talk about going the wrong way. He was going the wrong way quick. But God changed his mind. We're going to talk about him a little more a little later, but Do we care enough to pray? Don't gripe about your family, your spouse, your children. Pray. Don't complain about the church, its leaders, the pastor. Pray. The message tonight is that we have to care for people if we're going to lead people. Here's the amazing truth about prayer. The more we pray for people... The more we care about them. Pray. So many in our generation who are deceived, they call right wrong and wrong right. They're headed for destruction. Who cares? So many faithless, unbelieving, they have no hope. Who cares? So many that have lost their way, they're living in sin. Satan has them right where he wants them. Who cares? I mean, come on, here we are, you know, we're in church, we've got our family in church, we're doing all right. Who cares about what those wicked people, bad people, sorry people, who cares? So many complacent, lukewarm Christians not living an abundant life that Jesus has for them, who cares? Paul was our primary example tonight, of someone who cares but I want to close tonight with the story of another man of God I mentioned him just a minute ago his name is Jonah his story is quite different most people just know the part about how he was swallowed by a big fish and spit out and he went and preached to the city of Nineveh and that's about the extent of it but we're going to look a little bit closer at the rest of the story When the Lord told Jonah about a wicked city full of wicked people, terrible people. His attitude was the same as a lot of believers today. Who cares? The Lord said he was going to destroy them. Jonah didn't care. Actually, he did. He thought that was great. He thought that was a good idea. So the Lord tells him to go and preach to this wicked people, and instead, as you know, he gets on a boat going the wrong direction. He gets thrown overboard and swallowed up by a big fish, and he prays to God, seeks God, and God answers his prayer and gives him another chance. He spit out on the shore, and he goes and he preaches to that city of Nineveh but his heart is not in it he didn't want to go he didn't want to preach to them because he knew that God is merciful he knew that if they turned that then God would forgive them these wicked people he couldn't stand them ungodly rotten stinking sinners just like a lot of believers today he's just angry He doesn't want them to repent, but he goes and he preaches to them anyway. I mean, seemed like he didn't have a lot of choice at this point, didn't it? They repent, and God shows them mercy. It is Jonah's nightmare. In Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, and I'm going to see this one on the screen if you don't have your Bible because it's just so crazy. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. I mean, he just really wanted God to get these people. He didn't want them to turn to God and get right with God. He just wanted them to get what they had coming, get what they deserve. And I want to tell you, there's a, I'm speaking the truth in love tonight. This is correction. There's a lot of believers who want these ungodly, wicked people, we want them to get what they deserve, bless God. They don't care about them. They want God to get them. And our Lord is long-suffering. He's not slack in fulfilling His promise, but He is long-suffering and giving everyone opportunity over and over and over to come to repentance. That's what He wants. He cares. He so loved the world. Stinking sinners like you and me. And He loves them. There's this attitude, this spirit that Jonah had that's on a lot of people. It displeased Jonah. He became angry. In verse 3, it says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This guy's miserable. Can you get more miserable than that? Just take my life from me, Lord. It's better for me to die than to live. He's mad. He's angry. Here God just used him to bring repentance to 120,000 people. But he's not rejoicing. He's not excited. Heaven is. But he's just mad and angry and wants to die. Miserable. So he goes out of the city and he makes a shelter so he can have some shade while he's waiting to see what's going to happen to the city. And the Lord gives Jonah an object lesson. The Lord caused the plant to grow up over Jonah and give him shade. And Jonah was very grateful. But then the Lord caused something else to happen. He caused a worm to eat the root of that plant so it would die. Some of you have had a worm working against you. And you're all mad. You're all been out of shape. Hmm. Then it got really hot, and Jonah says again in verse 8, he says, he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. This guy has got a death wish. He's so miserable. I mean, the Lord gave him another chance to live. He got him out of that belly of the big fish, and you know, I mean, he was going to be fish droppings, and now God's given him another chance on life. You'd think he would be excited and happy to serve the Lord, but instead he keeps telling God he wants to die. Could have died in the fish. I want to read verse 10 and 11. From Jonah 4. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? Now, here's, he says pity here, but just real simple. Jonah cared about this plant. He didn't plant it. He didn't make it grow. It's just a plant. But he's all upset. He's so upset over this plant that he wants to die. And he says, Should I not care about 120,000 people? who don't even know their right hand from their left. They're so ignorant. They're so foolish. They're so deceived. Yes, they're wicked. They're sinful. He said, should I not care about these people? you see, there's a lot of people all bent out of shape about stuff. I'll tell you again, what God really cares about is people. Even wicked, ungodly people. He loves them. He wants them to come to him. He wants them to be saved. Who cares? We do. We do. And when we find ourselves being angry and acting like old Jonah, you know what? We need to get on our knees and pray that God will change our heart. Because I want to tell you, what's going to change our culture? It begins in the house of God with the people of God praying. And us allowing God to change our heart and then we will have a great impact on this world. When I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, listen, his life and ministry is still impacting the world today, 2,000 years later. And he started so many churches. It is amazing what God did through this man. And you know why? because he loved so deeply, he cared so much, he bore that burden and it drove him to reach as many people as he could, to help all that he could. Yes, there are times when he brought correction because he cared. There were times when he was working to restore people because he cared. And I just challenge you tonight, get that down in your heart that you care so much that you just got to try to help them. Amen. Well, stand with me. We're just going to pray and be dismissed.